Welcome to the Newberry Tart Podcast. Your hosts, Marcy and Jenny, are talking and drinking their way through Newberry award-winning books, past and present. Hello, and welcome to the Newberry Tart Podcast. I am Marcy, a bookseller at a children's bookstore and a collector of Newberry books, both medal winners and honor books. I'm Jenny. I'm a librarian who is a big Newberry fan. Today we're going to be talking about Sugaring Time by Katherine Lasky. The illustrations were by Christopher G. Knight. Also her husband. We're going to start off with the ALSC citation from the Newberry and Caldecott Awards um, Guide to the Medal and Honor Books. The author and photographer record a family's old-fashioned method of sugaring. When the right time finally comes, family members tap the maple trees, boil the sap, and enjoy a sugar-on-snow party and a pancake breakfast. The family's enjoyment of sugaring is evident in the often poetic text and the clear black-and-white photographs. I have another citation from another guide uh, published about the Newberry books. Um, This is an informational book about an American tradition of gathering maple sap. Ms. Lasky and photographer Christopher G. Knight followed the Lacey family during sugaring time. The story and photographs show a family that is involved together in a project that requires cooperation and hard work from everyone. Everyone has a part in collecting the sap, from the children hanging the buckets to the adults boiling the sap until it turns to syrup. The grandeur and iciness of a Vermont winter is related by the words and photographs. Miss Lasky relates the story of a family that finds a renewal of their love for each other and their life each year at sugaring time. This non-sexist book is recommended for children aged eight and older. Non-sexist. Non-sexist. <laughs> I didn't think about maple syrup gathering having possible sexist content. <laughs> so <laughs> that was an eye-opening citation for me. But um, And so we're, we're also going to share some reviews that came out um, when this was published. Yes. Okay. So we'll start with this one. Uh, in lyrical prose and black and white photographs, Lasky's book depicts the Lacey family of Vermont making maple syrup. The photos and text combine to make this a rare kind of nonfiction, informative yet as easily read as fiction. Lasky describes breaking the trail to the grove of maples, tapping the trees, wading through a cold spell, and then gathering the sap to boil it, making the syrup and eating it. The photographs are detailed, showing every step in the process clearly. And I have a review from the New York Times by Noel Perrin, or Noel Perrin, Um, Catherine Lasky and Christopher G. Knight, a wife and husband who are writer and photographer, have tried to put the experience into a book. They visited a Vermont farm last year, one with plenty of children around, and recorded the whole operation of making maple syrup, from the tapping of the first tree to the final cleanup of equipment months later. The pictures are wonderful, the text pretty good. Don and Alice Lacey, the quite unusual farm couple chosen for this book, favor the old methods, though young themselves. They hang sap buckets, they make syrup in a wood-fired evaporator. Best of all, they gather the sap with a team of workhorses. Children too little to help empty the buckets still get to ride in the sledge. Some of the pictures will take your breath away, such as the shot of Jonathan Lacey, eight, and his father pouring sap into the gathering tank from opposite sides, or one of a workhorse stealing a drink from a full bucket. Although the the text is too adult poetic and too short on narrative to be fully satisfactory, there are sections that are excellently written and the book is worth getting. This, I think, is, there's a little note of controversy here on the end. So you ready for this, Marcy? (laughs) I think so. Just one word of warning. This is Noel Perrin is saying one word of warning. 
The Lacy's apparently call the lid you put on a sap bucket a hat. If you ever take your children to see a sugaring operation, avoid showing off by using that term. Everyone else thinks everyone else in the maple world thinks it means the wool strainer you use as the final step in producing syrup. Oh, well, there's a picture of that, so we can take a look. Okay. <laughs> so this is the moment that we learn there's a controversy. It caused a controversy in the maple sap <laughs> world. <laughs> well, luckily, that seems to be the only controversy there is. I think one of the things I actually really like about this book is that it's so like nice and calm and. Um, domestic sort of mm-hmm. but it's it's still I think well worth winning an award yeah I really like this book um before I before I read this for the podcast I didn't know anything about maple syrup gathering um and I felt like this walked me through really easily and um really tangibly all the steps so you do have the beautiful photographs you see the whole family. So you see the youngest to the oldest. You see all their animals on the farm, which is really gorgeous. And then, you know, I know that the one of the reviews said that the the writing's a little adult poetic. I actually think it's it works really well. I do too. And actually, the um, one of the reviews called it lyrical. And I looked up the Kirkus review for when it was published, and they they used the exact same word. They referred to. Detailed clarity, thorough understanding, and lyrical appreciation, um, all engagingly and impressively integrated. And I totally agree with that assessment, actually. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And a little bit of the research I did surrounding this book, um, I was able to find a few items that, um, that talked a little bit about informational nonfiction books for children before this was published. A lot of them were dry or outdated, Um, A lot of them centered on, you know, historical figures, which that's great. But this, this I think was maybe at the forefront of more situational books, situational factual factual books for children that could show what life is like in a different part of the U.S. Yeah, and it's not a a common, I mean, it's something everybody has heard of, but it's not common to really talk about or see, Mm -hmm. which I liked. I mean, obviously, this family is not just a farming family. They talked about the dad being a doctor and going to deliver a baby before they went out sugaring. So it's not like this is all they do, but I liked how it was just like a snapshot of life at the time. I mean, it's sort of like um, Little House on the Prairie books, only for now. You know, you get an Mm -hmm. idea of, of how their lives are. And what they do. Also, yeah. it just made me hungry for maple sugar. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's not manicured either, which I really appreciate. Like, you see the family, and they have on all their layers that they own that fit. They have on plaid. They have on old boots. They, you know, the kids in some of the backgrounds are picking their noses. <laughs> yeah, like you, falling you know, down you, in the snow. Yeah, you are seeing, you're seeing kind of a snapshot. Um, and it, it feels like journalism, it does. Even the process, like there's, mm-hmm. you know, they, they get ready to go and it doesn't work or, you know, they have to wait a few days or it's not quite time yet. And they don't, they don't cover up any of that. Yeah. And so I think, you know, I think rather than just a step-by-step manual or, you know, a fictionalized account, I think this has a lot for even today's kids to be interested in. Yeah. It's almost when you look at it, it has the format sort of of a picture book rather than a nonfiction book, but it works that way. I know the language is a little older, but not that much older. Yeah. Yeah, 
Yeah, and um, I, you know, I see particularly kids that are interested in technical aspects. I think that this has it has it all there, you know, and so um, as well as this fantasy of having access to troughs of oh, maple sure. syrup, <laughs> which you see like they're one of their little. One of their kids like drinking. Yeah, the little girl with the fingers in the bucket in the pipe. Yeah, you know. But also, I think the one of the really smart things is to choose a family to document that has so many children because the pictures are all full of the kids helping and being a part of this. So, mm-hmm. I think when you talk about you know contributions to American literature for children, kids are not like oh I guess they're making candy which is cool but whatever they're like oh yeah you know I can relate to this because mm-hmm. look at these kids are in the middle of it and they're helping. Yeah. And this is such a niche, a niche industry. I I don't know. I I have no idea what the maple syrup industry is like now. Right. You know, this would be what thirty, almost thirty years, or over thirty years later. Oh, I'm old. <laughs> I am too. Yeah. Like we're the same age. I'm like, it's not that. Oh yeah, it is. <laughs> um. So I don't know. Um. And I tried to look up information about the family that was featured in this book, but I couldn't find anything with just you know, kind of a basic search. Mm-hmm. Um, and I may keep digging because I'm just curious, you know, did one of them take over the maple syrup empire? You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, um, well, also you have to wonder too, like how, how far they go on the scale from hobbyist to professional. Like maybe this is just a thing they do in the like back 40 in their spare time every year. It's like mm-hmm. a holiday tradition or something. Yeah. As opposed to making money on it. Yeah. But really that picture of the, of the, syrup in the snow looks delicious <laughs> i also i'm i really love this picture of the workhorses dusting uh, like kicking yeah, up the snow they're, they're beautiful it's gorgeous it's, i have to say too that the pictures themselves are just beautiful oh yeah and i really d- i know next to nothing about horses like <laughs> i've had really bad experiences riding horses oh, really? like the first one that i was ever on was named snickers and it kept stopping to take a poop <laughs> Like, and so I'm like on it and it would lean back and I I was like, "Ah." I have a very similar family story. (laughs) And then, um, I had one run away with me one time, (gasps) like the second time I was on a horse into the woods. And then the third time the horse I was on got in a fight with another horse that was on the other side of the fence. So (laughs) I'm not good with horses. So all that is to say, like these work horses have on very elaborate, to me, look like outfits. I know they have practical (laughs) practical uses, but they have like Viking looking head straps and like, you know, like these reins with like bells on them. And it's very charming for someone that does not know what's going on, really. Well, I mean, they don't look like riding horses at all. They're clearly farm horses, but they're still beautiful. They're gorgeous. Is there anything that you think doesn't quite work? You know, honestly, aside from the the issue of the language being maybe a little more adult and flowery than most kids would be used to, like, not mm-hmm. really. I, and it's beautiful language. It's just, um, if you're reading this with the idea in mind that it is a picture book for small children, it doesn't work really well. Mm-hmm. But um, I think if you're reading this as it was intended, it's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I think it's, I really like it. Um of course, I, it has a really strong appeal for me. Like, it reminds me of, of like, uh, honey. Like, I'm mm. a beekeeper. And so yeah. the process of, like, harvesting the honey and everything, it's so satisfying. Like, that day when you go to harvest, like, your main honey harvest is so just, like, in your soul satisfying. Because you work for this all year and you wait for yeah. it all year. And I got the same vibe from that. Do you use similar equipment? 
some of it, I mean, not with the whole boiling off or anything, but certainly like they talk about using the hydrometer to check the moisture level. Mm-hmm. And for the same reasons, like they explain how if, if it's too, you know, there's too much water in it, then it will ferment. And if it's, you know, the other direction, it could crystallize, which is kind of the same thing with honey. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just like that same feeling of like payoff, you know, after your year of work and here's your like beautiful jars or whatever they store it in of, of beautiful. That's really cool. Yeah. It's so that resonates. Like I can totally imagine like the feeling when you're done of just having like mm-hmm. your year's worth of syrup ready to go. Yeah. I think for me, there's just a couple things that maybe stand out to me. Um, so one is small and it's not really something I dislike about it, but there's a picture of little Jeremy Lacey. Yes. Um, and it says <laughs> with his grandmother and it says he's being, he's lulled by the bubbling tumble of the boiling sap. Um, and he, so he falls asleep in his grandmother's arms and in this picture, little Jeremy is clearly peeping out. Yeah, definitely like, not asleep. <laughs> yeah, definitely not asleep. I feel like this was a staged picture. Out of all of them, it's the only one that feels that way. Um, and if little Jeremy had just closed his eyes. <laughs> instead it, of peeping. It's a shame, too, because it is a cute picture. <laughs> it's a very cute picture. It's a very minor thing for me to bring up, but I also think it's it's I, very it's, charming. I did notice it when I read yeah. through. It's also very charming to me that um, I, I think they had to recreate this because <laughs> maybe the first one, like, you couldn't, you know, couldn't tell it was him or whatever reason. And this time he just wouldn't close his eyes. But the thing that stands out to me that I think would have made this a little bit stronger is a glossary. In the back of some of the terms, um, I think Catherine Lasky does a really great job of explaining inside the text what a lot of it means. But, you know, with kids learning, reinforcement is learning, repetition is learning. So having those words pulled out and explained um, somewhere else, I think would be really great, a great addition. So I don't know. I think we both have the first edition. Um, So there may be, that may have been included in later editions. I don't know. Yeah, I have... um... Mine's a library discard, but it was a first printing. So yeah, this is the original yeah. version. Yeah. Um, so that's that's one of the few things. Like that's the only thing that really stands out to me that could make it. Extra, that didn't occur to me, but that would actually be yeah. helpful, especially if you're coming at this from the angle of like kids, which of course you should be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, like I'm a grown up. I get all these words. <laughs> Um, so my read-alikes for this book, so books that I think that you would um, enjoy if you enjoyed this book or reminded me of this book are um, Little House in the Big Woods, which was my first experience reading about maple sugar, um, which is, of course, one of the Little House on the Prairie books, the very first one, um, where she talks about a sugaring off dance at her grandmother's house. Um, that was 1932, Harper and Brothers. And in that one, she goes with her family, and they have a sugaring off dance, which is basically like when you do this whole maple sugar harvest, if you live out in the middle of nowhere in the woods of Wisconsin back in the day, you would, of course, get your whole family together to help with it, but also enjoy it. So they would have a dance with the whole family and all the neighbors, and everyone would help, but also um, they would have maple syrup, and they would have maple syrup candy, and the kids were swarming all over it, and it just sounded like so delicious and fun when I was, I don't know, when I first read this, I must have been eight or nine. So it sounded amazing. So when I read this book, I was like, that's how they do it. (laughs) Um, And then my other book that I think would probably be enjoyable and relates to both of those um, is called Searching for Laura Ingalls, which um, 
Catherine Lasky wrote with her family. So the same photographer as this book because he was her husband, but her daughter is also a co-author because they went on a family trip based on the daughter's strong interest in the Laura Ingalls books. Um, and they followed the trail of the family and did another book in this vein with the sort of photojournalistic eye um, and talked about all of the, the Little House on the Prairie books and Laura Ingalls and the times and how things have changed and how they've stayed the same. Um, and it's just is super interesting to me how like the thing that reminds me the most of this book is the same thing that that family was interested in sort of followed up on later. Um, and for me, I picked a read-alike. It's called, sorry, it's called um, At Grandpa's Sugar Bush, and it's by Margaret Carney, um, illustrated by Janet Wilson. It was published in 1997 by Kids Can Press, and it's a fictionalized version of a young account of a young man helping his grandfather harvest maple syrup, um, and it's it's less it's, I mean it's from 1997, so it's a little more updated, I think, on the process. But I think that um, the grandpa the grandpa who has the sugar brush in question is much more of a hobbyist. Um, so it's less of a large-scale process and more about the tapping of the tree, just getting a bucket, and then kind of using it for home use. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a little scaled down. It's a little more modern. I mean, I guess the 90s is still still 20 years oh God. <laughs> 20 years <laughs> ago um and it's it's awfully fun to say sugar bush um so that's my read alike um and then in the school library journal the starred school library journal review for uh sugaring time um jane f cullinine in her review marcy read um the first part of it earlier and then the second part of the review um, is about another book called Maple Harvest, written by someone with the last name Coward in 1976. And it says Maple Harvest is for slightly a slightly older audience and covers the history of making maple syrup from the earliest Native Americans to present-day commercial operations. It gives many more technical details and includes interesting historical illustrations, but is not attract as attractive as the Lasky book. So um, we decided to mention that because it was um, recommended by a librarian in side of the Sugaring Time Review for School Library Journal. Unfortunately, we have not had time to look at this book, and hopefully it is a respectful portrayal of Native Americans. So um, please take that recommendation with a little grain of salt. Um, I'm going to see if I can find that, and then if it's real bad, then we can talk smack on about it in another, another, another episode. <laughs> Yeah. It was almost this time last year. It was. It was at Midwinter Meeting, which is the um, the the Librarian Association meeting where they actually announced the year's Newbery winners. Mm -hmm. So we went to the Youth Media Award announcement um, session. And um, so we got to be in the room with all the excitement. This was the first time you got to go, right? Yes, yes. That's not a thing that um, I usually get to do because I'm not a librarian, and um, uh, it's usually cost prohibitive. <laughs> but it was in Atlanta this year, which is where we are, um, and we both went and got to be there. It was really fun. Mm -hmm. It was. They had some amazing authors. They did, and it was really, really exciting to see March win. 
so many of the awards. Yeah. Which was and it was so timely too because it was actually like coincident with the um, the big Atlanta Women's March. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I um, I was the liaison for between the <laughs> between ALA's, ALA's conference and the march, um, and so I worked as hard as I could. I know I made some mistakes, but it worked as hard as I could to get as many librarians as possible from the conference center to the march. And it rained on us and it was kind of disgusting, but we had a great time. Um, but I think it was the morning after, right? It was Monday morning yes. that we were in a, a scholastic mm-hmm. um, book. But this was like a I think they were preview. Talking, yeah, it was a preview. So they were talking about books that were coming out that were not available yet, but they were going to be available. And they did some author's theater. So they had, for each book, they had the authors on the stage read parts. Um, so we got to see, um, I always say her name wrong, the woman who wrote Room. Emma Donahue, is it Donahoe? It's Donahue. Donahue? Donahue, I think. Okay, yeah. Because she had written a book. Uh, the Lotteries uh, Plus One. Yes. Yes. And then um, Catherine Lasky was there for the Night Witch. Yes. Or is it the Night Witches? I think the Night Witch. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, part of the reason that it was so impressive to see her was that she has no compunction about speaking her mind. Like she is totally like not worried about anybody's thoughts on her political stances, which is so admirable. And she came out in in a pussy hat. Uh, yeah, a pink <laughs> pussy hat. Yeah. yeah, we got pictures of her and her book, The Night Witch, um, which I st- I still have not read, unfortunately. But it's about the women pilots, the the girl pilots during World War II, the Russian girl pilots of World War II. Mm-hmm. So young women who were in their late teens who flew often suicide missions. Yes. And were so quiet. And I think, didn't they sometimes turn their engines off? And that's why they called them the night witches because you couldn't actually hear the planes. Yeah. They yeah. would coast in the, in the dark. Yeah. And that's just horrifying to me. Nightmares. The total yeah. nightmare. Yeah. I guess you have to be that young and be very dedicated to do something like that. Yeah. So, um, but it was nice. It was not even that big of an auditorium, and and she spoke so well. And and at the end, when I came up and fangirled all over her and asked for her picture, she was totally fine with it. And you got a picture with her with the the pink hat on. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I think I said hello, and as I often do, just kind of say hello and then kind of <laughs> like shuffle away. I get a little nervous about saying something odd. <laughs> experience early on in collecting books i love i love peter beagle who wrote the last unicorn um and he came to the decatur public library which is the the main public library where we are and um he was doing a book signing and he was so friendly and nice and he was very accommodating and he was clearly willing to chat with people and and talk about his books as he came up in the little signing line and i rolled up with a tote bag full of like 20 books of his with first printings and like all these books that I've, and some of them like worn to pieces. Like I clearly have been reading his books since I was like 10. Mm-hmm. Um, and I rolled up, silently held out one book. He, he, he said hello to me and asked how I was doing. I said nothing. <laughs> and, and he signed my book for me and gave me a very strange look. And I walked away and I was like, I am never doing that again. <laughs> like I love this man. <laughs> I love his books. Yeah. And I could have talked to him. It was, it would have been so nice. And so I'm, I'm, normally a very shy and introverted person but I have tried very very hard not to do that with authors I have come up with my standard greeting because I have had like I was in a room with Art Spiegelman and I could not bring myself to say hello (laughs) like it was it was a party so I didn't want to yeah it's different you know yeah and um and I've 
and I met when I met Judy Bloom, I was a little tipsy because here's a secret about ALA's conferences. Sometimes on the vendor floor, they give out free booze. <laughs> All the more reason to go. <laughs> and I am not um, a seasoned drinker. Um, I had had, I think, half a youngling um, that a booth had given me and then got somehow in the line to to meet slash get something signed by Judy Bloom, And I remember feeling embarrassed. I think she, <laughs> she handled it like a pro of course, but I still have my copy of Deanie that was signed. Oh, wow. But um, yeah, it was a moment of, I'm going to come up with a standard <laughs> greeting. And so I thought about this long and hard. And the first time I tried it out was on Ruth Reichel. She came to a reading at acapella. She did came and did a reading at acapella books. And I just went up to her when I was my turn in the signing line. And I said, your books have meant a lot to me over the years. Thank you so much. And then she actually put her hand on my hand and said, thank you so much. And I was like, that was nice. And now I just say that as much as I can. Yeah, that's what I do. That's my standard so that I don't just like, I I love you. Well, it's always nice to have something prepared. Like when we um, we had Julie Andrews at the bookstore where I worked. Oh my god! I know. <laughs> and Julie Andrews was there, and they had very her publishers had very strict rules for you know she wasn't going to personalize books, and you couldn't talk to her really. It was just what's like, that like to look over and you see I know Maria well, and Mary Poppins and Victor Victoria. <laughs> what is that like? Well, it was amazing. Like she was as sweet and nice as you would hope that she mm-hmm. would be. Like sometimes these super famous people turn out not to be very nice, but mm-hmm. she was just as gracious as anyone she's ever played it was amazing um but so of course they relaxed those rules for the people who are bookstore staff and so I had met her and she personalized my book to me and everything which was really nice she needed she needed tea as part of her thing and I was really happy because I had these beautiful tea cups that I could bring for her to drink out of and I was just like honored (laughs) oh my god (laughs) um but (laughs) They also like her. She was she was much more relaxed than her publishers were, which is understandable, you know, because they have to make sure that she's okay and everything. And mm-hmm. so many people wanted to see her, but so she had met all the bookstore staff, staff and signed our books. And then my mom got to meet her too, because my mom came up on the line, and my mom did the same thing that we just did, you know. And she blanked and she just goes, "I'm Marcy's mom," and, like, and that's all she said. And so now whenever she's like at a loss and she knows she's going to say something dumb, she just goes, I'm Marcy's mom. (laughs) But yeah, so it's nice to have something like ready to go in case you blank out like that. I've, yeah, I've had those moments. I can um, relate, not saying I'm Marcy's mom, but um, a lot of kind of sputtering, turning red, and then um, not are like saying like the wrong thing or saying it weird like the syntax is weird (laughs) i'll just stop and be like what did i even just say i don't even know what i said (laughs) our um cocktail for this episode um we decided to try and do something that would use maple syrup um so the drink is actually called an applejack rabbit Um, And we'll post a link so you get the recipe, but it is basically made using apple brandy. We used Calvados, um, fresh orange juice, fresh lemon juice, and um, I think half an ounce of the grade B maple syrup, which they talk about in the book, the difference between fancy grade A and grade B. Um, Grade B has the strongest flavor and it's the darkest, so you get like the most kind of maple essence, which is very interesting to read about in the book. Apparently, like the fancy used to be the 
the the standard because it was the least maple flavored like people were using it as a, su- a sugar substitute and so they wanted as the least maple that you could get in terms mm-hmm. of flavor but now of course the whole appeal of maple syrup is that it tastes like maple so we tried that in this cocktail what's I your really, verdict i like it a lot um I like maple in small doses. It's not something that I love enormous amounts of. Um, I I even like with pancakes, waffles, anything like that, I put honey on. So do I. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but I do like a good maple candy now and then. And I like, um, you know, I like some maple syrup every once in a while. Um, and I don't think it's too strong in here. I think it fits really mm-hmm. well with the lemon and the orange. Yeah, it just sort of sweetens it up without yeah. being like overwhelmingly sticky or anything. Mm-hmm. It's very fresh. Yeah. I like it. And all those really, to me, kind of strong flavors together, it tastes more like candy than it does yeah, yep. an alcoholic drink. That's so true. that's always a big plus for me. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed our first episode. Yes, our first full episode talking about a book. Um, and next time we'll be talking about a solitary blue. Production assistance for Newberry Tart is provided by Raphael Siebenman and Liam Grove. Graphic design by Liz Meitinger. Intro and outro by Ariana Hargrave. Theme music for this podcast is provided by the laid-back and local Throckmorton Ukulele Band. You can hear more of their music on Facebook. Find more Newberry Tart episodes at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Our website is Newberry Tart. That's N E W B E R Y T A R T dot com.